0: Hey, I have a quick reminder. Start with a quiz, pop quiz, one question. Anybody know what these are? Our gratitude journals. I'll pass. Okay, we're done. Um, Just in case you're not familiar with these, we started the year fasting or denying ourselves anything connected to negativity, which may sound kind of weird, but I think this culture tells me that I have every right to complain and to offer a running commentary on life and how everybody's screwing everything up but me, and to listen to whatever I want to listen to and watch whatever I want to watch, no matter how negative it makes me. And, okay, if that's one of our rights, and we could debate that, but we won't, then we chose to deny ourselves that right. And having completed a 40-day fast, usually if you've ever tried to stop, like stop a bad habit, it's much easier if you start doing something else in its place. Right, so we we're starting to be more positive by taking the time to write down the things that we're grateful for um, that God's done in our lives. So I'm hoping some of you have started writing those things down. I'm wondering if anybody has something they want to share. something good that God did, that you're grateful for. You want to share from there? You want to come up here. This is Joyce. I think she's unharmed.
1: Um, a lot of you have known us for years and years, like ten or eleven almost, but um, about a year and a half ago, I started back to work because kids in college and you know all that sort of stuff and it's it's been it's been a trial. I won't deny it. It's been a stretch. My husband says that I've been forced into the 21st century because it's like, you know, all this computer stuff and everything. But anyway, long story short, um, I've had two awesome weeks at work. I mean, God has put together a team. You know, it's been slow in coming, but Claire is part of that team. And, and um, the last two weeks have been phenomenal in sales in my little store, and I've made plan for the month, and the month isn't even over, so I just want to praise God for
0: that. Thank you, Lord. Do we have that slide, Glenn? Something we started doing a few weeks ago was to start praying for other churches. There's a number of churches in town that are doing kind of like a prayer chain where we pray for each other, which sounded like a great idea to me. Um, So we did a church uh, a couple of weeks ago and then had a couple of odd weeks, and so now we're back on track. And we're going to have small churches, and we're going to have big churches, and they each have their challenges. And Community Bible Church is one of the bigger churches in town. And, in fact, they have at least ten satellite locations, um, Alaska, Mexico, college station, all over. And so you can imagine some of the challenges that come with trying to pastor that kind of flock, Um, and also a lot of good stuff going on with them, too. So we're going to take a couple of minutes to pray, and I want you to also check in with God and see if any of the rest of you want to do these prayers so that I'm not up here every Sunday, because, you know, I'm sure some of you do this better than me, so. Differently, differently, yeah. Love you to pray with me. Lord, we lift up to you, Pastor Emmett and his family and Community Bible Church, all of its leaders and all of its members and all of the visitors and anybody who who serves them and helps them. Lord, we thank you for the heart that they've had for this community to reach the lost and to provide um, many different ways for people to connect with you. And we thank you for blessing them with um, growth, including growth into other areas. And we pray for those pastors and ministry leaders as well and those um, congregations. And Lord, we ask that you would bless them, especially this week, that you would bless them with unity and you would bless them with a common vision and a common passion and that that vision and that passion would be what's written on your heart, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um, in case you're new or this is your first time or haven't been here in a little while, our senior pastors, Randy and Clara Moranville, are enjoying a very um, well-deserved weekend all by themselves. So um, so today, looking very dapper, <laughs> what she'll explain <laughs> is David.
2: So if I'm the dapper, does that make you all the dappies? For those of you who have been around a while, I guess, at least the last few weeks might remember that we're in a, we're doing a series in Philippians. And I think it's just a coincidence that the Aggie in the group is doing chapter two after chapter four. I think it's just a coincidence. Okay. We started off in order and I think it just worked out that way. So. Anyway, um hope you can see that. We're going to talk about humility today. But before we do that, I have a test. You know, the the Bible says in this world you will know trials, and so we're doing trials here, tests. Okay, so what I'm going to do, is I'm going to give you the first line of a book, or the first few words of a book, and I want you guys to give me the name of the book, okay? And it's going to start off pretty easy, and then we'll, it'll, maybe it'll get a little harder. We'll see. Okay, so let's try this one, number one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, very good. Very good. You could. You, I, would, I would have accepted either answer, okay? And you don't even have to phrase it in the form of a question because I'm asking the question. Now, for bonus points, most translations of that verse say the heavens and the earth. There's only one of the primary that says heaven and earth. Singular versus plural. Which one is the single? Singular. Which translation? <laughs> what, who? I, I heard someone say King James. So it is. Very good. You win. You get extra points. <laughs> okay. Number two. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. That's it. You're right. Very good. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Call me Ishmael. Yeah. Very good. With what? It was the best of times. It was still... Let me finish. <laughs> actually, something I didn't know until I was actually doing this is that's that's the first. It's got like 20 different comparisons. It's fascinating. It's not just that. The first sentence is like forever. All right. Here, number five. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. No. no. That's a good guess, but no. No. This, um, no. No. It's, it, it. I'll give you a hint. It occurred in our past. It was 24 years ago. Very good. Stand up, take a bow, Stephen. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to change it up. Very good, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to change it up a little bit. We're going to start with the book, and I want you to give me the first line. Okay, purpose-driven life. What's the first line? perfect give that man a cookie the first time I heard all about you and that's not true I was going to be a stickler for that so now if we turn that around instead of all about you we would say what it's not about okay let's A little more enthusiasm. It's not about me. One more time. It's not about me. Now, I know this is a shock to some of you, but Jesus, the healer's in the house. So, with um, no further ado, what we're going to do is look at the first 12 verses of Philippians. And just any of you community group leaders that are looking for... Um, something to do a series on this, the Book of Philippians it would be awesome. You can break it down even more. Okay, so if if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That's a secret. Remember that one. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, if you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I could do six hours on this as many. We're going to hit two aspects of this. Uh, the being humble before God and then serving others. And I just find it fascinating as I was putting this together that the when Paul writes about, you know, how much more in our absence and our senior pastors are absent. So I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Oh, I never told you why. I'm sure it's just a coincidence I broke my glasses last night, my regular glasses. So that's why I'm wearing the sunglasses. Not that I needed humbling or anything. Because, I mean, y'all know me. Y'all know how I'm the humblest man that there, that there is, right? That's what I said. Okay, I got a question for you. How big is your God? Is he a great? Is he a great big God? Is he a little bitty God? Is he made in your image, or are you made in His image? In uh, the chap- book, um, chapter forty, verse twelve of Isaiah is recorded of a very interesting bit of information related to just how big God is. It says, Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed out the mountains and the hills? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Okay, I mean, I can get maybe two inches here, and even if I do, you know, put it up in the sky, I could get like, you know, two degrees of the sky, and that's about it. So, um, I just want to help us to get a uh, get hold of a bigger God today, because I don't care who you are, I don't care how big you you have God. There's always room for him to get bigger. And I think for most Christians, that's the the, any failure in their Christian walk is the fact that they just don't have a big enough God to hold on to. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do a little perspective shifting here. And you have your choice. You can either use your imagination. And or um, you can watch the slides or actually you can do both. Um, But at the very least, for the sake of those that are listening to this after today um, on the Internet or on a CD or something, I am going to do want to narrate it and invite you to use your imagination. But it's not required. Okay, so. Here we are in a place. See a little happy face? That's where we are. this is This is a part of San Antonio. Okay? Now we're going to back up a little bit. City of San Antonio. Okay, We're going to back up some more. State of Texas. Back up some more. The United States. Okay, let's draw back some more. It's North America. And again, there's the world. I mean, that's a pretty big perspective, right? The world. Okay, but there's there's more. We cannot reach the end of God. there's the milky way with our solar system enclosed and that's a that's a pretty vast space no pun intended and yet there's more there's a whole universe okay now what i want you to either see or visualize is A hand coming in under the universe. And that one hand is holding the entire known and unknown to us, obviously, universe. Now, how big is your God? How small are your troubles? And this is just part of the the dichotomy of God where it's a both-and. It's not an either-or. He is this big, and yet he's personal enough to be right here individually with each one of us. So does does anyone doubt that God could humble you if he wanted to in the category of every knee will bow? Um, I would tend to believe that if we do the initiating and humble ourselves, that we'd be a whole lot better off than if we have to get humbled. Um, I know that from experience. Too much experience, actually. Um, No, I won't ask for a testimony on this. Um, And that's where the fear and and trembling come in. And it's really what I, when I see that, I don't think of fearing God like being afraid or run away because you know he's a he's out to get me or anything but just knowing just the knowing just how big God is and how but then how individualized he will get on our behalf that and I, I can't I always use the word awe basically um just I'm in awe of God and what he's done and what he's willing to do. And the Bible actually encourages encourages us to humble ourselves. In many places we can see that. The well-known revival verse, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. A lot of good outcomes to that. Humbling that they would initiate, although he's asking, but they're the people would do that. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Again. Humble your, humbling yourself before God, putting him first. Good things happen. 1 Peter 5, 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and in his good time he will honor you. Okay, now let's look at... Um, Serving others. We actually have the perfect model in Jesus. We can look in the Bible and see what he did, and we just do what he did. We'll we'll have what he has. Probably not to the same degree, but at least we're heading that way. One of the things that, that i discovered... In putting this together and looking at this and just looking at stuff the Lord was leading me to to include, there are four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the VLI students synoptic, synoptic Gospels because they're very similar. There's differences, and they have specific purposes, but they're very similar. John is different, and it's very different, but there is a purpose for that as well. That's just to kind of tease you a little bit maybe to you know, keep VLI in your prayers as far as the ones that are going now and whether you should go next fall. in the last supper account i have always just assumed that the uh the uh, breaking of the bread you know this is my body broken for you take and eat and this is this is my the blood of the new covenant take and drink that kind of thing i always assumed it was in all four of them it's not in john and the uh, foot washing thing it's only in John, and so just by comparing some timelines and um, applying some logic, I kind of put the two together. It's rather—it's really rather fascinating—kind of merged them together. So let's let's um, just for context. Let's look at. Uh, we'll start with Luke. This is chapter twenty-two, verse twenty. It says after. Supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you. An agreement sealed with the blood I will pour out for you. But here's, at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For I, the son of man, must die since it's part of God's plan. But how terrible it will be for my betrayer. And this is that's just to set up the context. So then the disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. And they began to argue among themselves as to who would be the greatest in the coming kingdom. So Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men order their people around, and yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, those who are the greatest should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Normally, the master sits at the table and is served by his servants, but not here, for I am your servant. So in, in, in putting these together, here's what, I, here's what I, in my own humble opinion, <laughs> it's not, not, is what happened. So because with, with John 13:4, so starts out, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had around them. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? I honestly believe that when the disciples were arguing amongst each other, that what he said that's recorded in Luke was he said as he was getting ready and that, I mean, I can just picture him, you know, these guys are over here all arguing amongst each other and... And Jesus just quietly, calmly just gets up and, and gets ready to wash their feet and begins to do so and does so. And, and uh, I, I think they're very astonished at that. Um, John, later on in John, it goes on to say, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because because it is true. And since I, the Lord... And, teacher, have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet, each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How true is it that a servant is not greater than the master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them? You know these things. Now do them. That is the path of blessing. So, again, we see when people humble themselves, Serve others, good things happen. You know, we do have, you know, as I mentioned, the perfect model for this with Jesus. Um, hopefully, all of us have people modeling things to us, in um, you know, and that we can actually literally see, touch, and. um You know to supplement that. That not we need supplementing, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, bear with me here. This I might get a little emotional. My dad and i had a we had a really great relationship that um, was incredible and it was growing and as time went on and as I got older, he respected me and my opinions and my skills and abilities um, more and more as time went on and we just our relationship just grew and grew um Unfortunately, he died of a heart attack about three months after I graduated from college. So I spent a good number of years without anyone really teaching me, pouring into me, putting anything into my life. Honestly, until I found this church 10 years ago. But like I said, he... My father, his name was Frank, Frank Danley. He was a model for me in the realm of humility. And I want to tell you a little story, something that happened that is a perfect example of something that he would do. Every every year, July and August or so, the uh, shrimp season, okay, on the coast, at least on the Texas coast, and uh, the shrimpers are out, and they're trawling for shrimp and you know whatever bycatch they get, they they really don't want any of that if they can help it. But um, and it's it's rather fascinating because they go out with a certain amount of hold space available to fill up. And it's just a matter of you know how fast, how good the how productive their their trawls are, their catches are, as to how long they stay out. But they will they'll be out on the Gulf a week, maybe two weeks. And so one of the things one of the things that's that's great about the shrimp fleet is they're shrimping and we fished a lot offshore, and what happens is when when they uh, the shrimpers dump their they they look their catch they um, separate the shrimp from the trash fish and stuff. Well, they throw the trash fish overboard, and if you anybody that does any fishing knows, I mean that's just a cre- natural chum line just attracts fish like crazy. And uh, so it's a great great place to fish. And. Uh, But they're, they trawl at night. They're up all night. And they call their catch at dawn typically and then go to bed. And so when you're fishing around the shrimp boats, in, to be, you don't want to disturb them because you wake them up, they're not happy and they don't care. And they've got guns. And they'll, <laughs> they'll run you off. Okay. So we will always go out of our way to, um, you know, be neighborly and be as quiet as we can, that kind of stuff. And and uh, inevitably, I mean, we we would end up connecting with somebody on a shrimp boat just about every, every trip. But one of the things that we used to do is we would take – okay, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm sorry to say that it was an extra case of beer, <laughs> okay – but we would have um, an extra case of beer available for us to trade to these shrimpers because they've been out on the Gulf for, you know, maybe two weeks, and all they've had is is water probably to drink by this time. And you know, froze. and we would typically end up like 60, 70 pounds of tails. Not even that's not not whole shrimp. This is tails for a case of beer that costs about four bucks. And so, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> so, you know, I had to give you that background. One day, we're out, and it was probably one of the last trips that that uh, I was able to make with him. It was probably the summer before he died. We came upon Cubans that were shrimping. Now, this is 50, 30, you know, miles offshore. It's international waters. So it's okay that they're there. But it was just weird. This is the first time we'd ever seen them there. And because they're so far from home, they would do things a little bit differently. They would, Their boats would, would uh, drag and do their catch. But then instead of having it go in their hold, they had a mothership that had just a huge freezer deal going and they would take their catch back to the mothership and then they go out and trawl some more. So anyway, we tried our you know, like I say, we were this was unexpected. So um we decide, what the heck, let's give it a shot. And <laughs> see if we can do this um beer for shrimp trade thing. <laughs> And so there's like there's like three other guys on the on the boat with us. I can't remember who was there that trip, but everybody's trying to figure out what the Spanish word for shrimp is. It's like you know (laughs) how are we going to communicate with them that we're trying to make this trade? Anyway, long story short, what happened was that they because they took their catch back to the mothership and froze them. They really didn't have any available to try, but they were interested in the cerveza. <laughs> okay, so what happened was They offered some Cuban cigars to my. You know, my dad smoked, but it was cigarettes. I'd never seen him with a cigar before, and uh, I mean, it was just you know, it was kind of just being nice, accepting them. Statute of limitations would have run out after 30 years, right? I'm not. I'm not Okay. Okay. So and I never really touched him, I don't think. I don't know. Um anyway, so we had this made this exchange. And we're kind of going about our business, sort of. And we were fishing in the little area there, but what, my dad did something very special. He went out of his way to get one of the cigars, light it, smoke it, and go back as close to the shrimp that same boat as possible. And what he was, what he told me as he was doing it, is that you know, I just want to show them that we're just people just like they are, you know, and I mean, this was, I mean, he was even said, you know, it's governments that tend to war, you know, and it's, we got to connect on this local person-to-person level if we're ever going to, you know, ever going to get there, get, make it all work. And that was the kind of thing that he did. I mean, he literally thought of himself as lower than those shrimpers. It would have been so easy. There he is. It would have been so easy to, you know, bad mouth them or, you know, just, you know, what are you doing in off the coast of America or, you know, any of a thousand different things that have been easy to say but he took the high road and um, many times when I take the high road it's because he showed me how not that I take the high road as often as I would like As far as you know, what the Bible says about being humble, James 4, 6 says this. He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. You're looking for favor with God? Be humble. 1 Peter five five. you younger men accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility. For God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So not only is he going to give you favor if you're humble, but if you're proud, he's going to thump your noggin. And both of these verses are really connecting back to Proverbs 3.34, which is an interesting passage in the different um, translations. And this is why you want to have a variety of translations at times when when you're looking at stuff in the Bible. The New Living Testament says, The Lord mocks at mockers, but he shows favor to the humble. Can't you kind of picture that? You know, it's kind of—it's—I mean, it's really a picture of intercession. You know, I'm—I'm mocking Eddie here, and guess what? The Lord comes in and starts mocking me and puts me in my place. You know, New King James says this. I think this is stronger language. Surely He scorns the scornful but gives grace to the humble. We're going to close the service now with a... um, You know, we do communion around here pretty regularly for the, um, you know, the, the, the bread and wine parts. I don't know that during an actual... Sunday type service that we have done what um Jesus literally said to do. He said you know these things, now do them. That is the path of blessing. And so what we're going to do and this is as much a symbolic thing as anything um I'm, I won't leave anybody out but um that that wants to participate But we have recruited a team of leaders from this church, and what we're going to do is we're going to wash feet, and I have some special instructions. Um, We're going to keep guys with guys and gals with gals, okay? Okay.